Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios, Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and with me, my co-host, Steve. How are you today, Steve? I'm doing great. That's good. So, today's topic is, well, we're going to be talking about games again, and this is a type of game that, I don't know if, I don't know if you'd really consider these games or not, or just time wasters, or even, I don't know, some people might not even really consider them games, and that, those are social networking games. Uh, these are games that were made popular through social networking sites like Facebook, and where I first started playing them was MySpace. I don't know, does anyone ever actually keep up on MySpace anymore, or has that pretty much been kind of a left in the dust. I think that's been left in the dust because I know I had a MySpace page, but once I started going Facebook, I pretty much uh, stopped going to it. Yeah, same here. I mean, it's just because after, you know, more more and more of my friends started moving to Facebook instead of staying on MySpace, it's like, you know, they really weren't they really weren't updating their MySpace pages or really they weren't doing much with them anymore. So yeah, it's like they're the only thing I was really using MySpace for, for a while was just to play social networking games. Now I know there are social networking games on Facebook, but I haven't really played too, too many of them. Um, have you really played a lot of games on Facebook or were most was most of your social networking gaming done on MySpace? I would say uh, I really didn't play any social games on MySpace. Like I said, I really didn't get into uh, MySpace until, you know, my sister was on, hey, hey, you need a MySpace account. And she was the one that actually made it up for me. Yeah, and I... I actually don't remember how I got involved in MySpace. I think uh, my friend Dan from Radio Free Borderlands, or our friend, because he's actually both of our friends, uh, he I think he was the one who actually got me into MySpace. And then, you know, of course, as I, you know, explored that site more and more, you know, I started to hook up with, you know, friends from high school, uh, from college, and then also um, a lot of my friends, not only on MySpace, but also on Facebook, you know, I, I have to say a lot of them are really people we went to high school with, but I worked at a Boy Scout camp, uh, Camp Long Lake in here in Wisconsin for eight summers. So uh, there's a lot of my friends on uh, Facebook that were people that I worked with at this summer camp. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, I use it a lot hook up with a few classmates, but the big one is a lot of my old Navy co-workers I have. That's true. And I, I mean, I, in, in your particular situation, you know, not only being in the Navy, but being in Hawaii, I, I think a lot of our friends that we graduated with have stayed in Wisconsin. No, I know there's of course been others that have moved to you know other states, but I think a lot of them have stayed in the same state. But you know you're all you know you're all down over there in Hawaii, and I don't know. I don't think any of our friends really uh, moved out to Hawaii other than you, right? Yeah, they may have came and visited, you know, for visits or a honeymoon or something. Because I think the farthest out on 
classmates or classmates' friends that I know of. I know there was one in Alaska for a while before she moved back. And again, you're in a, that unique situation being in the military, how, I mean, you know, you've been in it for a long time, but I'm sure you've had a lot, you know, friends over the years who, you know, they were in for maybe four or five years and then, you know, then left. So that I could see makes it an interesting challenge for you to keep in contact with these friends. Yeah, with especially with me being in as long as I have, a lot of my friends that I have are now retiring out of the military. Basically been one of the ways that I can subtly, you know, keep in contact with them. Yeah, and I know that when we did our, I think it was our changing technology episode when we were talking about how we felt old, I believe you said that, you, you know, and you, I know you've told this to me before in just other conversations where, you know, there's people who it's like, you know, new recruits that you meet and you're like, kid, I've been in the military longer than you've been alive. <laughs> yeah, but, which is true because uh, my last boat command, you know, that's one of the things that I started talking about, asking pe people was like, so how old were you in September of 94? And I'm now getting guys going, I was born in October of 95. Yep. <laughs> But on to today's topic, and that is some of the games that we've played on social networking sites. I, I think there's good things about them and there's bad things about them, but let's first start out. How did you first get involved in social networking games? And do you remember maybe the first or some of the first games that you participated in? Uh, yeah, uh, basically uh, the first really social type of games I played was what got me first started on Facebook because a co-worker of mine, you know, had a Facebook account and while he was taking breaks while we were at work, he would hop on online, you know, at work and, you know, bring up a few of his games. He would play them for real quick while he was on break. And then when work would resume, he'd stop, we'd go do something, go back on break, he'd play the games again. So the games he would play would you know i think would be the first topic we're going to be talking about it was uh the mafia war or mob war theme type games uh yes and i know we're going to talk about some of the different types of games but the i mean i believe mob war came first and mafia you know mafia war came you know later and uh, i believe mafia war became the more popular of the two but uh, I think there was like a lawsuit a while ago between the people who made Mob. It was either Mob War or Mob Life. I forgot which. Between them and Mafia, the people who make Mafia War, because um, I believe they thought that they were ripping them off or plagiarism. I don't know. I haven't played that game in so long, so I'm not sure how it, you know, how that played out. But it for was. me, it was just. Uh, and again, it was a friend who invited me to play a game called Rock Band or Rockstar. I forgot which, but it was again one of their what we call Mafia War clones, and this one had a rock theme to it. So that's how I got into it. And I know there's good things and there's bad things about them, uh, which we're going to talk to later. But I, in a way, um, you know, it's really not difficult to get to the point where you do start getting involved in more and more of these games. 
Do you know approximately how many games you played it when at your peak when you were playing these games on a regular basis? I would say I would be almost up to 20 different games I played at at max. Yeah, same here. Uh, mostly, again, mostly during the, when I was uh, still on MySpace and still active on that site, I would say I was between about 20 and 30. Now, I'm not sure how many I really actually played a lot. There were ones that, you know, I would just play every now and then. In a way, I think there's kind of a chain reaction effect when you talk about how people get involved in these games because, I mean, let's say that you start playing Mafia War and, you know, you might be playing that for a little bit and then you get a request from a friend who plays a game, let's say, Dragon War. And then you start playing Dragon War and Mafia War. And then next thing you know, you get a request from someone who plays My Little Pony War because they need help with My Little Pony War. Yes, I'm just pulling these names out of my head. And Fraternity Life or... Fraternity Life or uh, Fashion Wars and whatever type of war you can think of where, yeah, you, you play these games and you start, you know, you meet people who, you know, maybe they try to fight you, but they couldn't beat you, so they figure, well... If I can't beat you, I might as well join you. Um, or, again, you have friends and friends of friends who uh, get you into these other games. The thing that I've been noticing, you know, when I was playing at my peak, you know, I'd be playing one game, and then one of my friends in that little guild that I'm a member of in one game goes, hey, I'm playing this game, and I, I need some help on it. Can uh, you, you join this game and help me out? So thus, that would start, you know, another way of chain reacting where you go from one game and you try and help out another, you know, try and help out a friend in another game that he's playing, which then gets you into that game. And the cycle starts repeating itself again because maybe now you're playing Teddy Bear War and, you know, you're, you need to build up your posse of uh, Teddy Bear Warriors so you send a, a request to your friend who played Mafia War and says, hey, I need help with Teddy Bear War. Can you help me with Teddy Bear War? And now you've got someone else in your Teddy Bear War gang. So, yeah, it it builds upon itself. There's that, like I said, there's kind of a chain reaction effect. And so, yeah, it's not that difficult to get involved in, you know, 20 or 30 of these social networking games. Now, as I said, you're not always necessarily going to be playing every single one of them. Uh, like, I think what you mentioned won uh, Sorority War or something like that. Sorority Life, I think I said. Is that a real one, or is that one you just kind of pulled off the top of your head? That's actually a real one. I I've seen that one. Okay, because I know there was one that I got involved in because someone, again, needed help. Fashion Wars or something like that. And I know just some of these names are ridiculous. And this one, of course, your fashion, you know, fashion models. And, you know, so, of course, that was one of those ones where I just kind of checked in, like, maybe every few days. But it's not like, uh, you know, when I was playing Mafia Wars, where I was really going at it hardcore or some of the other ones we're going to talk about. Some of the things that you started realizing with all of these type of uh, war type games is... You know, if you really look down to the nitty-gritty of it, 
lot of them are basically the same concept. They're just changed just a little bit different. Exactly. And again, we've used the term Mafia War clone uh, several times already because that's what, you know, again, a lot of these are. And yes, I, as I mentioned before, I think Mob Life came before Mafia War, but it's just Mafia War became the most popular of these. Now, essentially the way that these worked, at least a lot of them that I've played, uh, this is how they generally work. You start, you create a character, and then what you do is you choose one of usually three classes. Because a lot of these games, you know, one of the things you you find in a lot of them is you have three stats. You have health, you have stamina, and then usually something that determines how much money or income you're bringing in. Because, you know, that's very important in these uh, Mafia War type games because you need to get money in order to maintain your weapons and your buildings or your properties or whatever. You know, you choose one of those. Like, I believe uh, the Rockstar game or Rock Band, again, I forgot which one it was. The first one I played, there was like Pop Singer, you know, Rock and Roller. And I think the other one was like, a rapper or something like that. I forgot which, but uh, essentially the way it works is, okay, health is kind of like your hit points in most role-playing games because you get in fights with other people and that depletes your health, of course. Uh, stamina is used to essentially limit how much you can do. Like if you want to fight someone, that uses up a couple points of stamina. If you want to go on a quest or do a job, or a mission that also requires a certain amount of stamina. And once that gets to zero, you have to wait until, you know, the it stamina refills or replenishes. Yep. And then, you know, so usually there's like one class where you regain health faster. There's another one where you regain stamina faster. And then there's another one where you gain money a little faster. So when you played those, was there any one that you specifically uh, like to play? Yeah, I think I was more the Stanima one, you know, because the Stanima let me do the other things other than, you know, go out and fight. But, of course, the problem with that is, you know, when you begin, you have low Stanima, so you'd get, like, maybe five minutes worth of playing time, and then you're waiting, like, about three hours to get it refilled before you can play again. That's true. Um, Usually, I chose the money one. And the reason for that was, okay, again, another core mechanic in these games is you have to buy properties. Like, for example, if you're doing like a medieval themed one, there might be something like, you know, blacksmith shop, castle, keep, and these general, you know, salt mine, gold mine, whatever. And what these properties do is every hour they generate a certain amount of money for you. So I usually liked to play the one that got the money the fastest because that just made it easier to save up to buy armor and, you know, weapons and the other equipment that you would need. And, you know, again, this is where a lot of them copied Mafia War, Mob Life, whatever. You know, usually there are three types of equipment. Uh, there was one that would you would describe as weapons. These are primarily offensive in nature. And the reason I'm not, I said that you would describe them as weapons is because not all of these games use weapons for this type of mechanic. 
Like there was one I played that was a street racing type game. So there were different parts that were offensive. There were different parts that were defensive. And again, this is what you call your armor. And then, of course, you had vehicles. Like, for example, in a medieval-themed one, you know, your weapons would probably include things like sword and bow and axe and dagger or whatever. And then your armor would, of course, include things like shield and chain mail or plate mail. And then your vehicles might include things like you know, chariot, wagon, war horse, you know, riding horse, old nag, whatever. And uh, now I did mention going on quests or missions because this was another big part of these types of games. And this these would use up your stamina. For example, in, again, let's just say another fantasy medieval type one, you might have your first level type adventures that, you know, that require maybe only one or two points of stamina and, you know, these might include things like track down a bandit or fight off a yeah. bunch of goblins. And then it was important to get equipment because sometimes it would say like, okay, let's say you wanted to do, you know, attack the giant castle. It might say, okay, you have to have, you know, five long swords, three long bows, five war chariots, and 20 shields you know like that so that's why you needed that money because that lets you buy the equipment you needed to go on these adventures and of course they just essentially they just change all this stuff like i remember for the rockstar game i played it was you know your quests were things like go to a practice lesson or play at your local coffee house or play at the county fair things like that so again it, it's essentially the same it's just it changes uh, depending on the nature of the game that you're playing. And to give you, you know, better rewards or more skill points for somewhere else, basically a higher, more difficult the quest was, the better the rewards were. Yeah, and I because I know some of them did have a chance, kind of like in your video role-playing games, where sometimes if you defeat a certain enemy, they drop treasure. I know there were some where... You know, you might complete a job and there was a chance that it might give you a piece of weapon or armor or other type of equipment. There were a few games I know, like, again, Mafia Life, I'm sorry, not Mafia Life, Mafia War. One of the things they did introduce, they actually had boss fights. Now, they didn't have this at start. Okay, I will give Mafia War credit because they did try to do some innovations because uh, I remember when I first started playing it, it wasn't much different from the other ones. You know, again, you you could fight other players, you'd go on these these missions, you buy equipment, and that was about it. Well, and after a while, I would get monotonous. Yeah, and they, I know they did introduce uh, boss fights after a while, and of course, you know, when you did boss fights, you did, you know, you got certain rewards for that. And eventually, they actually introduced new places you could go. When I was playing, for example, I was one of the people that was ran randomly selected to test Cuba. So that was different because when you went to Cuba, you started out at zero again. So you had to, you know, again, do these jobs. There were new weapons and new equipment you could buy. There were new lands you could get, but you used, I think they, they were rubles instead of, you know, dollars. 
I'm not sure what else they've added with Mafia Wars, just because, like I said, it's been so long since I played that game. Same here. Because after a while, you know, it, it got so monotonous. You're basically just repeating all the steps that you, you had done just a couple hours before. And like I said, you get like about five minutes of game time, and then you're stuck having to wait like almost three hours just to re replenish whatever uh, stat was had depleted itself. That's true because, yeah, there's only so much you can do with that particular model. And, I mean, even when they do add more missions, you know, those higher-level missions, they're going to drain more stamina. So, again, yeah, once you get up to level, you're back to the point where, yeah, you're only getting a few minutes of gameplay before you have to wait a few hours for your stamina to recharge. Now, of course, there have been many other types of uh, social networking games. Another type I can think of, I'm not sure what was the first type of game in this genre, but it was the farming games. Like, I know Farmville is probably the most popular of them. And these I can see being a bit more interesting because you're actually, there's a little more strategy involved because with the Mafia War clones, this is, this is why I was saying before, I think there might be people to argue whether these are actually considered games. Because when you take something like Mafia Wars, there's not really much strategy. It's just deciding, okay, well, I'm going to click on this and I'm going to do this and whatnot. But in these farming type games, there is actually a bit more strategy because you have to, uh, there's a little bit more planning involved. Now, the only one of these games I ever really played was Coral Kingdom, which I know we're going to talk about later. Did you ever get into the Farmville craze, or did you? was that one of the ones? Yeah, that... I, I got into Farmville and a couple of its uh, siblings, which off the top of my head, uh, I think uh, one was Cat, dealt with a cafe, which is what I think started me into that genre, which is basically the same thing, but dealing with uh you know the cooking side of it but yeah dealing with farmville yeah i, I did play that a couple times because a couple of my friends were like hey uh i'm playing farmville need you to uh help us out because i i need a, another person in order for me to get this special ability no i need help shoveling cow manure please help me shovel cow manure actually it was more like plant uh you know harvest vegetables and whatnot but yeah, along that line. <laughs> yeah, because I think wasn't there some mechanic in those games where like, with like Farmville, where, you know, if you didn't harvest a crop within a certain amount of time, it went bad. Yep. And I think it that... It would be called Spoiled, I think. Yeah, and I think you, in that cafe game, because uh, I think you told me about that, where didn't they have something where like once you cooked a dish, you had to serve it within a certain amount of time or where it went bad? Yep. So I can see how those games could actually be classified as games because, again, there is a bit more strategy involved and it's more than just mindlessly clicking on things. And one of the things you mentioned about, uh, you know, sending requests, I know that's one of the negative aspects of these games, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. You know, when you get people who are five times a day, they're sending you these requests. 
I need you to send me some wood in this game. I need you to send me some gold in this game. Will you please help me? Or send me life in this game. Yeah, because, uh, well, actually, when we were talking before, uh, you were mentioning Candy Crush, how that's kind of branched into social networking. I don't see, uh, you know, a real thing where it's like you're playing with against other people. It's more along the lines of you see other friends or acquaintances and you see their score and you're trying to beat it. But then you also have like how we were mentioning, you know, you have your friends that are playing it. So you can send requests going, hey, I'm out of life because I, I failed to do this, you know, in the amount of lives that I had. Can you send me more life so I can try again quicker? I know what you're saying with this, the requesting because I have a couple friends on Facebook that, you know, usually a couple times a day I get these requests from them, you know, please help me out in Candy Crush. And I know I have friends who've actually defriended people because they kept sending them, you know, requests for Candy Crush or, you know, whatever other games they played. However, compared to some of the things we're about to discuss, I would say that pestering your friends with requests for more life or whatever is probably not that bad. Let's talk about some of the dark side of social networking games. Ah, uh, yes. Back to our favorite game, Mafia War. That is the biggest one that I saw was the biggest problem I had that made me really quit the game. Okay, you start out, you know, you're, you're low level, have minimal, minimal amount of equipment. So, you, you know, the only thing you can really do is just hustle up a, a guy in the street. Because the biggest problem I had in that game, which happened to me, you know, every so often I went out and, you know, randomly attacked people just to see how it went. And then ever so often it was just random tackings. Well, apparently I had attacked this one person. And I won the fight. Well, apparently that guy was a sore loser that he lost. He went and talked to one of his other friends that had played this game for so long, he was at ungodly level. Then he started attacking me. And of course, since he was at such an ungodly level, and I'm at a pissant level, you know, he was always defeating me. I'd go, end the game, wait, you know, a couple hours, come back in, and I get a message, this guy's fought you and you have been defeated. Um, and after a while, I started realizing that's been the same name after a while. That I started looking at his profile. I'm going, man, this guy's like level 30, and here I am level 5. Yeah, and supposedly these games, I think, are supposed to have some sort of safeguard in place where, yeah, there should a level 30 character should not be able to go after a level 5 character. So I don't know if that was maybe before they put that in place or if that system really didn't work because that was a big problem, this virtual bullying where, you know, you'd have someone, they attack you, okay, and they beat you. See, I was a polite social networking player. If I was playing a game that had a player versus player component, if I attacked you and won, I wouldn't attack you again. Uh, not many people are like me in that regards. 
because I know that I've had games where, you know, I would log in and it's like, oh, you were defeated. And, you know, again, I look and it's like I was attacked like five or six times by the same guy. There were a couple of games. They were both made by the same company that they had. They did give you some options to deal with that. It was one of them, I think, was just called Vikings and the other was called Pirates. Again, both were more more or less along the lines of the Mafia War style where, again, you had your class and you bought weapons and equipment and went on quests and, and fought people. But they gave you the option to set booby traps and you could set a booby trap for a specific person. So if that person attacked you within, I don't remember if it was like 24 or 48 hours or whatever, but if that person attacked you within that amount of time, they would get counterattacked. So that was actually really helpful because that gave you a method to deal with these people who were constantly attacking you again and again and again and again. Along the, the situation I had was is that guy would de- had declared war on me, and I'm like, why? I had nothing to do with you. And eventually he had sent me a message explaining that I had attacked his friend. I'm like, I only attacked him once, and by weird miracle, I won the fight, and now you're declaring war on me? Well, virtual bullying is one of the many negative things about social networking games. But fortunately, virtual bullying only stays in the virtual world. However, there is one virtual problem that actually does carry into the real world, and that's virtual currency. Now, the way that a lot of these games work, and this is how they make their money, is there's special premium equipment that you can buy. Or sometimes what they do is, like, they'll have a, a mystery box you can draw from, and that'll, that has a good chance to get you really good equipment. However, in order to do this, you have to get a special type of currency. You know, something that goes above and beyond, you know, gold or dollars or whatever currency they use. And you can also use this for other things as well. Like, for example, in the Rock Band one that I was doing. Now, in these player versus player games, it's very important to build up a large group of friends. Because if I have, like, say, for example, 100 people in my Rock Band... I don't see how you could get 100 people in a rock band, but hey, it's a game, who, you know, it's, it's virtual. So if I have 100 people in my rock band and I attack someone who has 300 people in their band, that's going to be a lot harder for me to defeat that particular person. Well, you could also use virtual currency to buy help. Essentially, this gives you a way to build your family or your mafia or your band or whatever without having to actually friend people to do it. I know I said the rock band, for example, they called it session musicians or studio musicians. Uh, some of the military themed ones I, I did, they called them um, mercenaries. But anyways, you could that's another thing you could use virtual currency for. Or you could also use it to recharge your health or your stamina. Unfortunately, virtual currency costs real currency. The reason I say this is a real problem is because I've heard stories on the news where people have rung up huge credit card bills because of virtual currency. Now, a lot of times it's it's usually a child who does it. 
I know people who play these types of games on smartphones are particularly vulnerable. Like there was one story I read about where someone was playing, a, it was it was a Farmville type game, except it had the Smurfs. Did you ever hear about this particular story or any of these types of stories? Yeah, I've, I've heard uh, somewhat stories of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot of people I heard is, you know, people have finally gotten their own credit card. And we're still playing these games that realize, oh, here. And next thing I know, it's like, what do you mean I owe like three grand? Yeah. I've, and again, a lot of times it's like in the case of this, uh, you know, this the kid playing that Smurfs game. One of the things you could get in the, the game were Smurf berries, which cost real money. And I know about this from personal experience. Um, I installed one of these farm type games on my iPhone several years ago for my son to play. And, you know, of course, the, you know, there's that little place you can click to buy, you know, special currency. I forgot how, whatever they did, but they had it set up so that, you know, there were different options, you know, like you could spend like, you know, $1, or $5 or $10 or $100. They had the $100 one set right at the top of the list. My son clicked it. And next thing I, you know, I was, I was watching him play the game. I'm like, wait, how'd you get so much money? And that's when I realized to my horror that he just spent $100. Um, so I ended up contacting Apple about it. And fortunately, they gave me a one-time refund on that. Uh, and they this is an important thing to know. So if any of you listening to this, if you have kids and you let them play on your, your smartphones, specifically iPhones, I'm not sure how it works with other types of smartphones. But if you go into your general settings, there's restrictions. So one thing you might want to do is go into the restrictions and disable in-app purchases. Um, so that way that will let you, you know, hopefully that'll let you avoid situations like this where, you know, again, if you do have a younger child playing this game and they don't realize that, you know, buying diamonds or whatever costs real money, this will at least prevent them from doing that. So there are ways, fortunately, to work around that. Yep. And I, unfortunately, I do have to admit, I have spent money on <laughs> these types of games. Yeah, I'd have to uh, agree with you there. There are some games, yes, I did spend my money too. Fortunately, some games, like one I am going to be talking about later called Vikings of Thule, they gave you options to get, well, the special currency in that game was silver, and they gave you options to get it without having to spend real money. There were various offers you could complete, like, uh, you know, go watch this advertisement and you'll get, you know, one or two silver. Or sign up for this, you know, internet service and you'll get a thousand silver, stuff like that. So that was nice because that was a way you could actually get this special currency and all you were doing was just, well, in some cases, all you were doing were just signing up for surveys or watching advertisements. But in some cases, if it's like, okay, sign up for a, a Netflix subscription. I mean, if you were going to sign up for Netflix anyway, hey, win-win. If not, then it's like, uh, what was I thinking? <laughs> this brings us to the final part of the dark side of these social networking games. And that is addiction. Unfortunately, people can get addicted to these games. You know, we talked a little bit about virtual currency where... You know, again, 
sometimes it was in an innocent mistake. You know, again, a child didn't realize that, you know, clicking on this button cost mom and dad real money. But other times you do have people that it's like, you know, getting addicted to anything else. They do spend money on these, these games. And I've heard stories of people who, you know, have gotten fired from jobs or have gotten in trouble because they, again, they became addicted to these games. So, to, you know, they were logging into the computer at work to play Farmville when they should have been doing something else. And as a result, they get fired. Now, have you ever considered yourself at any point to be addicted to these types of games or were you more or less just a casual player? I would say I, I had to be more of a casual player, but there was a few games that, yeah, I would play a lot. But luckily for me, due to me being on sea duty in the Navy and I had to go underway for a while, that was like rehab where it's like I go <laughs> out and I haven't played these games. So when I suddenly come back, you know, it's like oh, I haven't played these games in two weeks. Uh, I really don't need to play them anymore. I'll just play the games that I personally really like because that's what got me from, you know, my peak of like playing 20 games at once and got it down to like five. Yeah. So that's, that's a case where, you know, going underway and being out in the middle of the ocean for a few weeks or months actually was kind of beneficial. It was like going cold Turkey, huh? Yep. Well, unfortunately, social networking game addiction is something that does kind of hit close to home for me. I am going to be getting a little dark here, so I do apologize. I really got into them when I was in a very low part of my life. There was a time in my life when I was dealing with long-term unemployment and all of the negative things that come with it. Of course, my finances were strained. My relationship with my wife wasn't so good. And since most of my friends lived far away, I couldn't see them very often. So during this time of my life, I was depressed. I felt terribly alone. And for a while, I was even on the verge of suicide. To make matters worse, this is, was at a time when the economy wasn't so hot. I was consistently applying for 20 or 30 jobs a week. But since I was unemployed, most of the companies that I applied for never followed up with me, even if it was something that, you know, I met the qualifications. I mean, I was lucky if I received the thanks but no thanks letter, but, you know, rarely got anything beyond that. Because during this time, you know, unfortunately, when there's high levels of unemployment, hiring staff, they're going to get, you know, companies are going to get a lot more applicants. I've known people who worked in human resources when the economy was really bad uh, several years ago, and they said it was not unusual to get 50 to 100 people applying for two or three positions. So they said being unemployed was, was a red flag to most employers. You know, they assumed that if you got fired or if you were laid off, it was a reason for it. And they are, and also they use this as a way to cut down the number of resumes that they would view. Anyways, we're not talking about social or economic commentary here. We're talking about the social networking games. So, but again, I was depressed at this time. Like I said, I felt terribly alone. And what really hurt is I felt powerless 
and angry a lot of times, so I needed an escape. I was starting to work on my books at this time, so writing did help, but it wasn't always enough. So this is when I started getting really into the social networking games where, like I said, I was probably playing about 20 or 30 of them because I hate to say it, but it felt good to log into Mafia War or whatever other game and kick some complete stranger's butt, especially if they couldn't defend themselves or if they posed little threat to me. And that was a time in my life when I became addicted to these games. Because it was just one of the few escapes I had and one of the few things in my life that I felt I had control over. Now, if you've never suffered from depression or known anyone who's suffered from depression, it's significant because part of the problem is when you're dealing with depression, you're in this state of mind where you usually feel helpless and you usually feel that things are hopeless. So you start looking for any bright spot. Anything that brings you joy, even if it's just something for a few minutes. Like I said, even if it was just logging into Mafia Wars or Vampire Wars or whatever wars, whatever else I was playing at this time in my life, these games allowed me to escape how much my life sucked at that time. And that's one of the things that attracted to me. And you know, that's one of the things that attracted me to these games and really helped get me addicted because it was that escape that I needed. Okay, did I get a little bit dark there for a moment? Well, I did say that was a little dark, but <laughs> it did also bring a point that, you know, a lot of these are escapes from other things that happen in people's lives. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you really, you could say that just about any, you know, any other types of games like role-playing games or video games. They're escapes, but, you know, again, we have to, moderation is very important. You know, it's okay to have your little escapes from reality, but don't spend too much time escaping reality. So, you know, especially got to be careful to make sure that, you know, if you are playing these games a lot, it doesn't detract you from other more important things like friends or family. Or as I was mentioning before, you know, occasionally you hear about people who got fired because they were caught playing Farmville or Mafia Wars at work when they should have been doing something else, you know, like their job. <laughs> yeah, that would be a big one. One other of the negative aspects that of social networking games, so I'm not sure if you really would consider this negative or not, and this is a point that you brought up before when we were talking, um, is that sometimes people would create multiple accounts to play these games? Yeah, I, I do know that because I am one that does have two Facebook accounts. And technically, I did that on uh, a dare at work about dealing with a game that we were playing. <laughs> if I was able to, you know, have both my accounts up and play the same game, which helped because then I, you know, having to deal with a partner and my main care, my main account wasn't doing something solo. I at least had a backup. Yeah. And hasn't, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So when we did things, there are certain games where if you do it solo, you know, you come back and say, Oh, since you're did it solo and you got robbed. 
But if you're with someone else or with a group of people, you're good to go. That must be the game Fish Wrangler. Yeah, that's one of the games I'm talking about. Well, that actually transitions nicely into the last section that I planned for uh, this topic. You know, we've talked about some of the dark sides of social networking games. And, you know, we've talked about how some of them are unoriginal. They're essentially just taking the mechanics from, like, Mafia Wars and reskinning them. But let's talk about some of the games that we've played and that have stood out and that we've actually really enjoyed. So let's talk about Fish Wrangler. This is a game that you actually got me in, into, um, and I did play it for a while with you. Why don't you describe Fish Wrangler and how you got into it? Well, basically, Fish Wrangler, as the name uh, says, deals with fishing. How I got introduced with it is how I explained earlier in this podcast how a friend of mine would be playing games at work during his break. Well, one of the games was Fish Wrangler. And thus, that's how I also got my uh, other Facebook account going. We'd go in, and then there was this thing that was called night fishing, where you'd go out with a group of people, you know, for the night. So when you were done for the day playing, there was a point in the game where, you know, if you weren't going to be playing for like five hours, which was usually, uh, you know, around midnight to like five in the morning type of deal, you know, that's when you would schedule your night fishing trip with a group of people. And the game would fish for you. Thing is, is it, that's a thing where you need multiple people to be with. Because if you go solo, you'd come back and it would say, oh, you, you got hit by pirates and they stole half of, you know, your fish and half of the gold that you got. So let's talk a little bit more about Fish Wrangler because I have played this game for a little bit as well. It had some interesting mechanics for a social networking game. Now, even though it was a fishing game, it was not designed to be a realistic fishing game. I mean, you had fishing poles like, I remember there was Excalipole, which is basically a fishing pole that looked like a sword and had like a, a morning star ball at the end of it. And uh, what, were, so what were some of the other weird fishing poles? Um, well, your, your first two was starting rifle one was like the twig. Or the broken branch, which was basically nothing but a fishing line on a stick. Then you had what they called the broken reel, which was like the everyday normal type of fishing roll pole, but your uh, reel was all messed up. Yeah, and then each pole um, had a certain strength to it. And what you would do isn't like you would, because there was a way to upgrade the poles. Wasn't it like for every certain amount of fish you caught with it, it it gained levels? Uh, it was more along the lines of how many times you used it, okay. which started it out as. I think nowadays it, it goes by doing quests now, since they in, in incorporated quests for the polls, where it goes, you complete this quest by catching, you know, this amount of fish, then you can buy this upgrade. Yeah, and, and it has some other mechanics too, like there were several islands and what you would do is you started out in Fisherton, I think. and uh, Waterport. Waterport. Okay, Waterport. And what you would do is after a certain amount of time, you'd gain, you know, you'd buy boats. 
and each boat had a different speed. So this was significant because what you would do is, um, like if you wanted to go from Waterport to the second island, um, if you were using like the rowboat, it would take you like, I don't know, an hour or something. I forgot what, but if you bought the boat that actually had fuel you needed to buy for it, then it would... Uh, it would the time down in half, it would take you roughly 30 minutes. Yeah, and so, then if you got the uh, booster rocket, it would take you like five minutes. So that was helpful that, like I said, it, it, it did introduce some, some new challenges. And also there were, of course, different types of baits you could buy. There were certain types of fish that they were easier to catch with certain types of bait. So if you, you, like it might say in a fish's description that they like trying to think. I know there was like, for example, generic chum. And if you use just the generic bait, that might give you a little higher chance to catch a certain type of fish. So the thing I liked about it is there was a competitive aspect because there were daily tournaments. However, it wasn't like Mafia Wars where if you lost, you're not going to get beat up and by some person who's going to attack you five times in a row. And the tournament basically meant, hey, if you did real good on a on a fishing day, hey, here's some uh red love chum. Yeah, which it would be, you know, the virtual currency. Yeah, cuz the red love chum, I believe it it increased your chances of catching fish and it guaranteed so, well, it guaranteed a catch. It guaranteed a catch. Yeah, and um, I know that some fish could steal your chum, but um, the red love chum couldn't be stolen. So that was always helpful. Yep. Nothing uh, sucks worse than catching out of line. Hey, you got a bite, and it stole your bait. Dang it. Yeah, and Fish Wrangler did have a spinoff called Coral Kingdom, and this one was more along the lines of uh, the Farmville type, where it used some of the same fish from Fish Wrangler, only this time you had, I think you had to like attract them to your reef. Because in this particular game, you were playing a mermaid or a merman. And, you know, you uh, had to plant certain types of coral to attract certain types of fish. You know, and like I said, some of the fish that you met in Fish Wrangler appeared in here, so that's how they're related. And you, I know you had to clean... Uh, you know, clean up your kingdom every now and then. So it was an okay game. I mean, I got into it for a while, but then after a while, it just, like I said, it just kind of lost interest for me. Yeah, same with me. Well, another game that I, I've only seen it on MySpace, but I really got into it, and that was called Hammerfall. And this one was, it was a role-playing game, and it did actually have aspects of a role-playing game. Uh, what you had is it was like an overworld map and you had to go to certain areas. And of course, along the way, you fought monsters and earned gold. And it was a social networking game. So of course, you had to get an army of followers. And then, you know, the more equipment, better equipment you could buy, the better equipped your army would be. Uh, there were some parts of it that didn't make sense. Like, for example, I remember early in the game, there's this elf NPC you met. Well, before he lets you leave the first area, it's like, okay, you have to go into the forest and you have to find three owl feathers. And, you know, but before you can find three owl feathers, you have to 
you know, fight five wild boars. And before, but before you can fight the five wild boars, you have to fight, you know, five goblins or something like that. It was kind of weird, but all in all, it was a good game. And as I said, the thing I liked about it is it, it was kind of like a role-playing game and you didn't have, there was a player versus player aspect in the game, but it wasn't the main focus. So you didn't have to, you know, you didn't have to worry about being attacked five times in a row by someone 50 levels higher than you. That's what made some of the games more enjoyable to play. There's nothing I hated worse was trying to play a game and then you got the guys that, you know, have no life and been playing this game for like hours on end. They're at ungodly level and they come on and go, twink, okay, you're dead. And now you can't do nothing because you're waiting for your life to come back. And the moment your life comes back, you get attacked again. Yeah, that that sucked. Well, another game that I really enjoyed because it was different than a lot of the games out there, uh, Vikings of Thule. And I know I'd sent you a request for it, and I don't think you actually played it really. You just kind of accepted the request because, you know, that's what you do for your friends sometimes. Um, yep, to help out, you know, get that extra partner in, in crime. Because what Vikings of Thule was, it was based loosely on the Viking Scandinavian colonization of of Iceland. So you would select... Uh, one of the areas to, you know, set up your domain in. And, you know, of course, you had to recruit farmers and peasants to do work for you, for you and you had to upgrade your house, and uh, there were artifacts you could get. But one of the things that was, I really liked is there was a player versus player part of the game, and that was probably the main draw. However, this is what I really liked about it, just because you challenge someone, that's no guarantee that they're going to win or that you're going to win. Because what happened is when you fought someone, it brought you to like a game board and you had your little silhouette of your Vikings. Now, there were certain moves and that you could learn. And what you would do is before you went into battle, you could choose 10 different moves. And there would be things like basic attack. And well, here, let me give you an example. Uh, your basic attack would just, you know, would attack an opponent either one square to your left or one square to your right, and it did a certain amount of damage. Another uh, attack, there was like a long-range attack, which could have hit your opponent if they were like, I think, three or four spaces away. But here's what made it challenging. What you would do is each round, at the start of each round, you would choose what you wanted to do. So you might have your opponent in the perfect position to hit them with a certain attack. But if they go before you and they happen to move, say, one step down, one square down, guess what? Your attack misses and there's nothing you can do about it. So it was kind of challenging, but it was a little bit random. But overall, I did like it. And that was one of those games where you know, like I said, if they did have the virtual currency, however, while you could certainly pay real money for it, they gave you the opportunity to watch advertisements or sign up for surveys, and you could use that to get your virtual currency instead. Another game that I know both of us have played, Dungeon Rampage. And I think 
did you get me into this or did I get you into this one? Uh, you got me into it. Yeah, because I don't remember how I got involved in this one. But this one was actually really cool because it's cooperative. It has an kind of an old school gauntlet type feel. So if any of you ever played the gauntlet game, um, what, what you would do is you had different characters that you could unlock. And then, of course, you could spend real currency to uh, to buy different characters like they had. When you started out, you could get the Berserker. Uh, there was also the Ranger. Uh, there was a Sorcerer. My personal favorite was the Battle Chef because he was essentially the healer of the party because sometimes when he, he defeated enemies, they would turn into food, and he also had another ability. If he had the right equipment, he could cook up food in the dungeon. Um, what were some of your what was what were your favorite characters in that game? Uh, I think the one that I always played the the most was the one with the uh, twin crossbows. I, I forget what it was. Vampire Hunter, I think. Yeah, I played her, and then uh, I saw you, you playing. What was that? The Battle Chef. Yes. Because I think I started out as the warrior type of deal. Yeah, the warrior. Until I was able to unlock the uh, Vampire Hunter. And then I continued playing that until, you know, we finally were able to play together. And I saw you playing as that Battle Chef, and I'm like, oh, I got to do it. Created my own little Battle Chef. (laughs) And I know they also introduced pets that you could bring into the dungeon, like, I think there was like a a wolf. I think, didn't your character, didn't you get him a dragon? Yep, a, a thunder dragon. Yeah, so battle battle rampage or dungeon rampage is another one of those games that's really fun and definitely worth checking out uh, because, like I said, it is cooperative. There is an option where you can set it to only play with people you know, but it does also give you the ability to play with complete strangers and you can chat with each other. Um, another thing that was helpful is. If one of your the members of your party went down, um, then what you could do is you could go over and rescue them. So that was helpful. Yeah. But I will say, if you're a battle chef, you're everybody's best friend because you can create lots of food. <laughs> yeah, which was life in that game, like in Gauntlet. Yep. Any other virtu- any other uh, social networking games that stand out for you that you've played over the years? Well, pretty much, uh, I've like I said, I've cut down a lot. You know, I've had requests from my sister, you know, for the Candy Crush, you know, series of games. But, you know, otherwise, you know, I'd go in, play just long enough for a little bit, and then go, this is getting monotonous again, and then just basically stop. Well, like I said, yeah. Biggest games that I basically continued playing was, you know, Fish Wrangler. That was the biggest one because, like I said, it was the easiest thing to do where it was, you know, I'd be doing something else on the computer. I'd be able to go to Fish Wrangler, click Fish, then come back and resume doing what I was doing. Yeah, and Fish Wrangler was kind of fun because it did introduce other things as well, like scuba diving and they, I know they added a new region, um, which had its own set of mechanics. So that was kind of cool. 
But I think we've talked this topic to death for now, because uh, just looking at the time, this is going to be probably one of... This episode has gone on a lot longer than I thought it was going to. But, well, I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Um, any closing thoughts, Steve? Well, the last one I got to say is, because I'm one that has multiple uh, you know, accounts in Facebook, it's one thing I've noticed was that uh, Facebook, Book has a habit of sending requests for games using your friends' names. You know, your friend's account saying, hey, your friend here sent your request for this game. reason why I could tell was, hey, my other self sent me a request for a game that <laughs> I know I didn't send myself. Ah, uh, Facebook. <laughs> well, this will conclude today's show. Uh, thank you again for listening. So remember to check out Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook. And please feel free to like the page. You can subscribe to uh, Geekery in general through iTunes or Podbean. So have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming.